equality is always thought to be this noble cause to fight for. And oftentimes it is. But like with so many things in the world, we can be too invested in the fight that we forget that forget about what we're even fighting for. But on today's episode, we'll be looking at a character who wanted to see equality in his own world, but his methods make you really question if he was in it for equality or just authority. And of course, I'm talking about the mass leader of the equalists, Amon. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Nate. You're listening to The Otaku Liberation, a show where we help you break free from the chains that hold you back in your life by connecting biblical principles with themes from your favorite anime. And without further ado, let's get right on into it. And again, I know I say favorite anime, and technically, Legend of Korra isn't, but it's close enough, so we're doing it anyway. <laughs> and now for today's episode, there are three main points that I want to cover uh, about about Aman and what he stood for. And they are, again, equality, revolution, and power. And I'm going to break down what each of those means to the character. So first, we're going to start off with the motive behind Aman's fight, for, uh, fight and what he stood for. And that was the notion of equality. So his motive was equality. So Aman fought for equality among vendors and non-vendors. And this whole idea this whole belief stemmed from uh from his from his childhood right i'm sure a lot of us can kind of see that in not just a mom but different characters and even some in our own beliefs and our own way of thinking it typically stems from child whether childhood trauma or just childhood memories and things like that but in Amon's case this stemmed from his belief that Bending only caused suffering to others and that vendors had an unfair advantage over non-vendors. And this all really started when Amon, then known as Noah Tuck, which is his birth name, and his brother Tarlock were trained in the ways of bloodbending by their father, Yakon. And in order to really understand it, let's take a, l- a little deeper look at Yakon, Amon's father. And because we'll see where all of this started. So Yakon was a very powerful bloodbender who could bloodbend without a full moon, which was previously unheard of and is honestly a super rare and powerful skill. And for those who don't know, bloodbending is a is a um, a technique of waterbending or more of a subbending style, where waterbenders you know bend the blood, bend the blood, bend the water, the moisture in another being's body. And can basically become like puppet masters over over them. It's really creepy, but also, in my opinion, one of, if not the most powerful styles of bending, because you you can literally take control of other people. But the biggest caveat to that was that it was only possible during a, a full moon when water benders were at their strongest. But that changed with Yakon and and eventually his his kids uh, Noah Tuck and Tarlock. Uh, so that's kind of that's what makes Yakon such a dangerous individual, and by virtue his his children as well. But in Yakon's case, his bending was actually taken away by uh, Avatar Aang, and this led this led Yakon to actually seek revenge on the Avatar, and he wanted to do so by turning his own sons into living weapons. 
And, and of course, that means a lot of really harsh training, which twisted Amon's idea. Because the harsh training and treatment that Yakon put his sons through caused Amon to become this cold and distant individual. Like he no longer felt, you know, this kind of a love or peace that most normal people would have about them. He became very calculating and willing to do anything to accomplish his goal. And it was, it was, it was rough <laughs> to say the least. And honestly, Amon began to revel in his power of bloodbending and what it, what it had over people. Which, honestly, now that I'm sitting here recording, really, this man's kind of a hypocrite, right? Because <laughs> he, on one hand, he felt like benders had an unfair advantage over non-benders and that they should be equalized. But it's also the same man that reveled in his own power as a bloodbender, arguably one of the most powerful benders outside of the Avatar themselves, which yeah, it's kind of weird. But anyway, and this this kind of twisted Amon's idea of justice and what it means. And this this twisted idea led to the creation of the equalists in the anti-bending revolution, because, uh, again, he wants to even the playing field more or less and he really feels like that benders shouldn't have the ability to bend <laughs> you know on one hand you would think he would go about it to equip non-benders with the tools to to be able to defend themselves and things like that um such as you know uh chi blocking and and all the tools that he used in the show, like the the electrical gauntlets that the equals he used, things like that. So it didn't have to be a terrorist about it. He could have, I don't know, opened up a class somewhere. Who knows? But that's not the that's not the the road he chose. And for those who joined his cause, they wanted to be free from the oppression that benders had placed on them. But the problem with this sentiment is that not all benders were the ones causing problems. The main culprits were the the bending gangs in Republic City, like the Triple Threat Triads. And it also didn't help that the leaders of Republic City, the United Republic Council, were entirely made up of benders, which made the non-benders feel as if they had no representation in their own city. And I, I, I can get that. So I see where the pressure points are with this whole ordeal. It wasn't so much that the that the benders, that all benders were evil, all benders were oppressing the non-benders. It was just the select few, but it was enough of them to start causing this issue. And it felt like the the, the powers that be, the ones governing the, gov the governing the city, weren't doing enough to correct this. And I'm sure we know we look back at our own history in the world, right? Uh, <laughs> if, if enough people start feeling like they're not being heard, then revolutions start in case point right and and yeah honestly it, it kind of it just mirrors a lot of our real life scenarios where the majority in this case like like benders are are often punished for the sins of the few right because it wasn't just hey we're angry at these bending gangs for what they're doing to our people we're angry at, at all benders whether or not you've done anything bad or, or not and of course this means this could be from the the airbender children who are just now being born to the avatar herself and no one was safe from this right everyone was a target every bender was a target and 
And so Amon sought to correct this within Republic City and eventually the entire world. Now, he didn't want to just stop at equalizing Republic City and making it so everyone was on the same playing field. He wanted to spread this to the entire world and just basically commit Bender genocide. And, and it's just, it's, I'll tell you one thing, you know, it, 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 this, he fits perfectly with this season's theme of ambition, right? Because <laughs> he, he was really out there. But for me, the fight of equality is, is an admirable one. And honestly, it's something that I personally stand behind. I think we should all be, you know, see ourselves as, as equals because again, we're all children of the Lord. We're all, we're created with the same love and intention. Now, how we express these things are different. Like we were different. We're not all the same. And, and we need to acknowledge those differences and how we can use them to help each other. But no one is less than the other. And as a matter of fact, let's look at what the Bible says about this. In Galatians chapter three, verse 28, it says, there is no Jew or Greek slave or free male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this verse really speaks to the concept of equality and unity among believers and emphasizing that in Christ, there's no distinction based on factors, you know, such as ethnicity, social status or gender. And what that means is that in Christ, he sees us all as his children. He loves us all. And there's no like just because I'm I'm a black man doesn't mean he loves me any more than, you know, than a, a white woman or a, a Hispanic man or an Asian lady. You know, we're all loved equally. And it's just this notion that since we are all loved equally, that we shouldn't be trying to tear each other down for whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? But I know it's it's pretty hard for us as as people historically, right, to get along with each other and to not fight each other but it's something that i think we should all strive for and that's because basically we're all equal in the eyes of the lord so that leads me to to a question justice equality and any other noble cause you fight for are all wonderful things but how far are you willing to go to achieve your goals and i ask this because honestly we have to be careful we have to be careful with our ideals with our ambitions with our goals and dreams and things like that because the means don't always justify the end and Amon himself is actually going to prove this for us so now that we have a little bit a little uh, bit of information on his motive let's take a look at the methods that Amon used to make his dream a reality and that was the use of fear and hatred now in theory, what Amon fought for was right. Again, this, this is the theme for this entire season. But in reality, he caused an even greater division among vendors and non-vendors because of what he was doing. I mean, some of these things include openly threatening vendors <laughs> and relishing in the fact that they were powerless against him, um, stoking the hatred between vendors and non-vendors, causing them to be at odds with each other even more. And even going so far as kidnapping children and taking away their bending. Remember when I said nobody was safe? Not even kids. Kids who haven't even had the opportunity to do anything bad. He was just like, nope, you're gone too. And this was this was a frightening time for Republic City because no one had there's never been a 
a villain or a terrorist such as him because it, it what made him honestly in my in my opinion what made him so dangerous wasn't the fact that he was a a bloodbender it wasn't the fact that he could take away bending but it was the way he was able to get people to follow him right i mean it, it's not it's not just Amon. I mean, as we see with the rest of Korra's villains as well, they all have this charismatic personality where they they're able to get people to join their cause and get them to do to do their work. But also, they're not afraid to get down and dirty themselves, which honestly I can respect in a leader. But also, again, it just makes them that much more of a difficult opponent for Korra and especially for someone like Amon, because again, the ability to take away someone's bending was thought to only be possessed by the avatar. But as we see, as we see here, that that's not, that's no longer the case. So Korra has to reconcile that with herself. Okay. How can I take this guy down uh, with an ability that I should, I should only have. And then tell you right now, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And the reason that Amon did all of these things, again, the, the threats, the kidnapping, the removing of, of bending, the stoking the flames of hatred, he did all of this just so he can bring the animosity between benders and non-benders to a boiling point. And it was so bad that despite Korra's best efforts, she couldn't even calm the citizens of Republic City. And the city itself was about to be ripped apart because of this, uh, because of this movement, because of this animosity. And which is it's sad. I mean, it's, Amon had the city right where he wanted it. And when it comes to hatred and anger and all these things, this is this is what the Bible says about it, because it's not none of it's good. We know it's not good, but let's see why it's not good. And it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love cover, covers all offenses. And this verse really captures the idea that hatred fuels conflicts and discord and that love has the power to forgive and eventually even overlook these offenses. Now, I'm not saying that Korra should just love them on and everything be, you know, hunky-dory. No, of course not. But the concept of the love versus the hatred is that right now, non-benders are hating benders because they feel oppressed because, again, like I said earlier, the the gangs that are in Republic City are oppressing the people, are really being abusive, and the non-benders feel like they have no representation. So instead of going to war against each other, we should learn to, or they should have been able to learn to accept each other for the differences, and the the benders who aren't committing these atrocities should have stood up for the non-benders against the the gangs in Republic City because I mean, gang violence and stuff like that is detrimental to everybody, not just the non-benders, but everyone in the city. Uh, so it would be nice if the if those of the benders who weren't committing these things yeah, came together with the non-benders who were being oppressed and fought back. And I honestly think that maybe something. This 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 scenario with Amon and the Equalist wouldn't have happened. I truly believe that, but it, it did. So, and this this is where we are. And I know for you know for me, not so much like a hatred, but you just anger and emotions in general. They can they can over overwhelm and override logic a lot of the time. 
And if we're not careful, our emotions, especially negative ones like fear and hatred, can cause us to lose sight of the real goal that we're even striving for. And that's caught in we can be caught up in the throes of ambition and we're just really just go, 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 go on this thing a hundred percent. But if we're not careful, it can honestly lead us to not only destroy ourselves, but to honestly go against the very thing that we're even fighting for. Um, but it, I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking back to the whole, the whole equalist movement, right? How he wanted something that honestly was a was a very pure idea, but he was just like, nope, I'm going to burn the world down just to get it, <laughs> which kind of defeats the purpose, right? And I don't know, Hamans was just an interesting character to me. I, I, I hate that he went out the way he did, but the ideas behind him were 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 interesting. But again, his use of fear and hate just amplified the problem he sought to fix. Again, back to this whole thing of we're just he's just going all in on this crazy idea or this crazy method, I should say, to make his idea a reality, making the problem a hundred times worse. Or did he? Ah, see how I got you there? <laughs> but so so right now we're gonna go over the result of Amon's actions, which uh, may surprise you was actually a brighter future. I know. I just spent this last, I don't know how many minutes talking about how uh, too much ambition, at least in the wrong, with the wrong methods, can be detrimental to your vision. But in Amon's case, it was actually kind of worked out. So let me let me kind of explain. So while Amon's grand plan of ridding the world of bending may have been a failure, the impact he had brought, uh, he the impact he had brought international awareness to problems that non-benders had to face in Republic City. And what I mean by that is that because of Amon and his actions, it it kind of it pulled back the pulled back the lid on all of the problems that we were talking about earlier in this in this episode uh, that non-bender were facing, just the oppression, the the uh, non-representation, the things like that. You know, Amon more or less kind of became a martyr to be to be fair, and everyone was like, okay this was a problem. The fact that it took a terrorist that almost destroyed the city with his riots and whatnot is it took this in order for us to get, uh, to pay attention to these things. I said, okay, let's reevaluate what we're doing here. And so the biggest win from this whole conflict was the, actually the dissolution of the United Republic council. Uh, again, the council of all benders representing, you know, each of the nations. So, you know, the Northern Southern water tribes, the fire nation, uh, the earth kingdom and uh, Tenzin who represented the air nation, which was you know, like five at this point. Right. <laughs> but they all decided to step down and have a democratic president over Republic city. So the people can vote who was in power. And actually the first president, uh, Raiko was actually a non-bender who won by the majority vote. So now non-bidders have representation in their own government for their city. And as, as someone who's being a non-bender themselves, he can relate to the, the woes of non-benders in, in his own city a little bit better. And so it was, it, it actually all worked out, <laughs> not worked out for, for the better, surprisingly enough. So what does this all mean? 
It means that despite Amon's tactics and twisted desires, the promise of equality for non-benders and benders was that much closer, if not there already. Because again, this is a huge win, having Raiko be the, their democratic voted president. And honestly, Amon may have been the first villain that Korra faced, but he wasn't really that evil, at least in, at least in my opinion. I mean, he was... He was misguided, definitely, towards the end uh, of his life. But I can't really say he was completely evil. I mean, his childhood shaped him into the revolutionary that he was. Now, again, that doesn't excuse his actions, but it does show that his intentions were just, but his methods weren't. And again, like I said, that's the, the theme of this entire entire season is that good intentions can have uh, bad consequences if you're not putting them in the right place. And it is easier said than done, but that's something that we all have to keep in mind. It's like, okay, what are we striving for? Why are we doing these things? And how can we do it in the best way without causing harm to ourselves or other people or anything like that? So, yeah don't <laughs> don't be a terrorist guys <laughs> but hey did you like this episode please let me know in the comments down below or or even leave a review but whatever you do please share it with somebody that you think needs to hear this message and or who just likes the legend of core either one either one works for me <laughs> but hey come back next week where i'll be going over a character who wanted the world to go back to his spiritual roots but he decided to do it by plunging it into eternal darkness I know, really weird. These characters are, are way out there. But can you guess who it is? Uh, let, let me know what you guys think down below. But whether you guess it or not, I want you to always remember, you are the main character of your story, and that story doesn't end until he says so. All right, be blessed.